Hello and welcome to another episode of the Goldmouth Ramble, the weekly podcast brought to you every week where we talk about the Premier League and all things football. My name is Nick and joining me today is Reese. You are back. How are you? Feeling better? I am back. I'm feeling much better. Every so often my voice tends to go a bit like, but I'm okay. <laughs> it's good to be back on, on the old pod. I did miss it's, it last week, to be fair. It's the side effect of being a teacher. Oh, mate. Today I felt like I was teaching year 10. And there was a point where my voice was just slowly eroding from me. It was like, <laughs> I was like, mate, come back. <laughs> come back, please. Uh, but yes, the eagle-eared amongst you will realise that there's only two of us here again for, I think it's been like a month since we've had a full, a full uh, mm. yeah, a full roster. But uh, yeah, Jake uh, isn't here with us again. Hopefully the three of us will be together uh, next week. But we are recording this week on a Thursday night because there's been a full load of midweek fixtures. Um, and me and Reese are both currently, we've got our Amazon Primes in sync and we are currently yeah. watching the Man United versus Arsenal game as we record this on Thursday night. There has just been some drama. It, there has in been. That. Uh, as we're recording this, Emile Smith-Rowe has just scored uh, from the edge of the area as De Gea was on the floor. Uh, and he put it in the back of the net and thought he'd scored. But it appears that it isn't going to be given as a goal as we're watching this. Um, it looked like De Gea was stood on by Fred in mm-hmm. the penalty area. So there was no foul happened. The ball came out to Smithrow, who hit the ball into the back of the net, as I said, as De Gea was on the floor. But the referee didn't blow his whistle until the ball had hit the back of the net. Like, so That's the what... weirdest bit for me. I'm not sat listening to the... Oh, it's been given. Literally. Oh, he's been given the goal. He's, he's, he's given the goal. So I was literally about to say, I don't know how you can disallow this because it wasn't a foul. The referee hadn't blown the whistle. No. And, well, yeah, those are the only two things that matter. No, I, I agree with that decision that it should, it should be allowed because it wasn't Arsenal's fault that he was down injured. When there is an injury on the pitch, of course, it is up to the referee if they stop the play. But you normally only stop really right for, for head, head injuries. injuries. I suppose it's slightly different if it is a goalkeeper because if like it has happened, if they're lying on the floor mm. and that happens, then there's like it's not like just like a, a winger being out on the field and somebody skirts past them on the wing, is it? Like yeah. it's, it is more difficult. But I think well, the Man United players are very angry, and I'm probably yeah. sure this is probably pretty divisive. People all have their own thoughts on it, but I don't see a reason why that is. Why that should be disallowed? Yeah, I, I think the right decision has been reached. I think if so, right, if Riley had blown his whistle before Smith Rowe had taken the shot, again that's fine Atkinson. because the uh, is it Atkinson? Sorry, yeah. yeah, Riley retired a long time. Ago. <laughs> he did. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, if he'd have blown his whistle before the shot was taken, that would have been yeah, like we said, legitimate. The ball, the game had stopped. It mm. doesn't count. But it, it was if um, it was a slow replay of Atkinson blowing his whistle, which is quite funny. But it was it was like he made the choice there to wait for the ball to hit the back of the net and then blew his whistle. And then blew his whistle. I guess which is the VAR way of doing things, isn't it? You let things wait, play out wait for the phase to wait for the phase to complete. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that interesting. Was good. I think that's the right decision. Me and too. based off the first fifteen minutes of this game, that was well, Arsenal deserved to be winning. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so we're doing a live record. It's not a, a watch along because it wouldn't make much sense for us to release a watch along episode on <laughs> Friday if a game that <laughs> happened on Thursday. Uh, but me and Reese are going to uh, do our normal show of um, going to have a look at what's happened in the last few days. Both we've got a weekend and midweek action to catch up on. 
Uh, there'll be no team of the week because Jake isn't here and neither of me and Reese have stepped up to the plate and do that. So, <laughs> so that, he, that element He's got the spreadsheet. Is, that's, that's my excuse. Yeah, that, that's yeah, He's got all the data. Excuse, yeah. um, so we're going to just do all the normal stuff. We'll process the, what's happened and we'll preview what's to come. Um, and then we will obviously be interspersing this podcast with our thoughts on the Man United-Arsenal game. Uh, anything impertinent and important that happens as they go. But where do you want to start? Do you want to go all the way back to the weekend, which seems like a hell of a long, a long time, time ago? ago. Um, um, I want to make a quick general point before we get into on. some specific games. I was looking at the league table, and from yesterday's results, I cannot believe that Wolves are sixth, right? I think that's a that, shocking invite are, to the Premier in, League. In, on the live table, they are seventh because Which, Spurs are winning. Because, yeah, Spurs are winning yeah, right now. As, as, yeah. But the fact that Wolves are, are seventh now as it happens, to me that smacks of just how big the gap is between the top three and everyone else. Everybody else. It, I mean, Arsenal, Arsenal are fourth. Yeah. When we consider Arsenal were legitimately terrible for about four games. And they were literally games. bottom of the league. Yeah, right. and now they're fourth. Yeah, you could make an argument that's how competitive amongst everybody else. Like the mm. the rest of the league is really good because every week somebody's beating somebody. And but yeah, the top three. Me and Jake were watching the um, uh, Liverpool Everton game mm. on Wednesday night together, and they showed up the um, the the table and the goal differences and stuff. And like the goal difference, Chelsea have plus twenty seven, Man City have plus twenty one, Liverpool have plus thirty one. Yeah. And the only other team with a positive goal difference is West Ham. Everybody else the in the league one. has a negative goal difference. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, so this season is just absolute chaos. Like, everybody's beating everybody um, apart from those top three. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, it makes... Well, I mean, it's at least making for a very exciting title race. Like, it this, is. This Christmas period is going to be absolutely huge for the... You running, have put... You've played both Liverpool and Chelsea at this point. We played. We've played them. You lost everyone to, you lost to, the, of the big yeah, six. You it? lost to City, didn't you? We and did. then you drew to Liverpool. We did. We arguably. We yeah. should, I think we should have. If we had all eleven players, I think we would have won that game. But we were down to ten men at halftime because of a Reese James handball. Um, just as a, I suppose, just to get us started, then how do you see Chelsea's season going? How? What's your? What would you give your season out of ten so far as a Ooh. Chelsea fan? I mean, it's it's gone about as well as anyone expected it to, if not better. Like I didn't think we would be top of the table at this point, um, and I didn't I didn't think we were quite there to close the gap on Liverpool and Man City yet, because obviously, yeah, we mm-hmm. won the Champions League last year, but the squad was very much still finding itself, and it didn't quite know where it was, and there were lots of kind of dead wood players in there, and it feels like they've made some additions and they've just fixed a few holes in the squad to make it much more of a challenging, title-challenging team. And it's mm. showing that. And I think having you know a full pre-season under Tuchel has really helped the squad get into a rhythm. And I think we've had a couple of dodgy performances last two games against Manu and against Watford. Manu, we were particularly poor against, I thought. Watford, we were shocking in the first half. Um, yeah, me and, well, me and Jake watched it again. I was at Jake's house last night. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's against new COVID protocols, but I shouldn't say that out loud. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we watched um, the first, well, the first bit of the Chelsea game. We switched over to another game once that um, incident in the crowd yeah. um, happened. Uh, but yeah, Watford were bang up for that. In they the were first re- half. they were Watford were really good. And I think on a, as a point about Watford, I think I think Ranieri himself said 
he feels that the team are better than what they are currently in terms of points. And I'd agree, based on how they played yesterday, they are better than being, what, like 18th, 17th in the league. They're mm. better than having lost five out of the last seven games. Because they were really up for the Chelsea game. I think if they if they ended in a draw, it would have been a very deserved point for them. Because I mm. think Chelsea got very lucky yesterday. And it was just, we had two, literally two moments of just, you know, brilliance from just a team flowing move to create two goals. And that was the difference. And that was two moments across 90 minutes that Watford largely dominated. I think there was a stat yeah. at one point that said that Watford had 100 passes in the, in the final third. Chelsea had 42. Like, that's the opposite of how Chelsea games go. And Watford absolutely ran us ragged. And I think mm. it was partially to me down to the fact that we had a terrible midfield on show. Like, I don't know what it is about. We, you know, what, we, where did Kante go? Is he got, did he get injured? He picked because up a knock against Man U. He was sent... Yeah, he was amazing against uh, Leicester. And he was, then yeah. He just, again, just disappeared. Again. He goes in and out of injuries a lot. I mean, I'm not sure what's going on with him. He cannot get fit for long enough. Um, so it feels like he's used kind of when we need him and we rest him every other time we can get. Literally whenever else you can. Yeah, think. exactly. Um, so we played yesterday a midfield of Saul and our Ruben Loftus-Cheek. And Loftus-Cheek has had a great season so far in the sense that he's... He was- yeah, he's come off the bench. No, sorry, sorry. He's come off the bench, and he's no one expected him to be anywhere near the squad, and yet he's forced his way into Tuchel's plans, and he's become a real, genuine player in the squad. You know, he comes to the bench mm. almost every game. He started a few games. He started against Man U. Started against. I Watford. thought he struggled against Man United. Oh, Man U was say. his worst game of the season by yeah. far. He was a passenger in that game, and it was none of his usual tricks were working. Like he's notorious for doing a little kind of drop the shoulder and go against the defender, but that didn't work against Man U. Against Watford, he got caught out and they scored from his mistake there. Like, people have started mm. to see that he has one move and they've now figured it out. So he needs to mm. try and think of a different way to get through the midfield. Um, but then Saul, who I was very pleased we signed on transfer deadline day. I has, thought he was going to be a good signing so as well. I. I, I thought he was going to be a good squad player, but he's been absolute shit. Like it, He's it, got taken off at half-time in both his starts, yeah. hasn't he? Yeah, literally. I think yeah. He played, I think, about maybe maybe the whole game in the... In the, the uh, is it the Carabao Cup still? Yeah, it is. Yeah. In the Carabao Cup. He played most of the, game in the games in the Carabao Cup so far. And he's looked, you know, fine in those games, but those have been against lower league teams, you know? And then yeah. in the league, he's looked slow. He's looked off the pace he's looked like has he, he had fitness issues or is it just obviously no. he's not probably match match fit if he's not playing too much mm. but he's been available he has been has available he? yeah. he's been training yeah. every week he's not missed any trainings at all he's always been in the squad he just i'm not sure what it is it's not like it's, it feels like he hasn't quite understood what tuchel wants from him you know he's whereas players like kante Jorginho, kovacic even ruben off cheek they know what their roles are it feels yeah. like saul doesn't have one yet and he's trying to find his way in the team, and it's been two or three months now, really. Yeah. And he's not done anything with it, so it's very disappointing. He was so far. he was signed on a loan with an option or an obligation. Loan with an <coughs> excuse me, loan with an option to buy. Option. Yeah. yeah. Um. So at this point, I would cannot see us extending that because we did the yeah. same thing for with Kovacic a couple of years ago, yes, and we exercised that, even though his first season at Chelsea wasn't like incredible. He still showed signs of being a very good player. Whereas yeah. now we're seeing the fruits of the Kovacic's labour. He's been injured for a while now. We, we really miss him in, in midfield. 
because he offers a really mm. good kind of creative driving force from the from the middle. He also seems like he's got a bit of a sort of motor to me. Like he's, oh, he's yeah. like kind of like the engine room of that midfield. He is. He? He's brilliant. Yeah. I think I, my my dad really rates Kovacic, and I think it took mm. him a while to warm to him. But since he's watched him play, especially this season. Kovacic is one of his kind of favourite Chelsea midfielders behind, you know, like Mountain. He loves Rudiger as well. Like, I think Ethan Kovacic is a real quality player. And this year it's like we're actually seeing the Kovacic we we thought we were going to sign. You know, it's been a little bit of a warm-up phase, but he's been really good this year. So I, the sooner he can come back, the better. Because one of the things that I'm talking a lot about Chelsea, my apologies. That's um, all right, I asked the question. <laughs> you did. Um, one of the things I think has gone under the radar a little bit in the last few weeks is just how many injuries Chelsea have had to suffer. Uh, so far this season and the fact we're still in first place like yeah. we lost for a bit we lost Reese James for a bit we lost we've lost Ben Shearwell until at least the new year which for me I think it's gonna be for the rest of the season because there's yeah Tuchel we, we weirdly said like we're gonna see if he can get by without yeah. surgery for yeah. six weeks but then we might have to have surgery in January exactly like it's a, all right for me that's the end of the season end of the season now just get him ready for next year um, we lost. We had no. Well, having because... watched Alon- having watched Alonso against Man United, I'd be getting anybody in. It I know, mate. I know. There's, there's already <laughs> discussions that we're going to try and bring back. We've got a player called Ian Martson on loan in the Championship mm. somewhere. That people are trying to say we should bring him back. And also, there was discussions that Saul played left wing back for Madrid. Oh God! A couple of years back, some people are saying let's try that. But he's been shit in midfield. Why would he be even better at left back? Um, but we lost Mount for a bit because he had some sort of infected tooth surgery issue. Um, we lost yes, Lukaku and Werner in the same game, pretty much. Um, like this, this it's a team that has been had to put together. We lost Kovacic as well. He, I just said he's been out for a while. Kante's been out as well. Like look, these are first team players that Chelsea have lost, um, yeah. and yet we're still top of the league and we're still playing good football yeah when you see how big injuries affected liverpool last yeah, season yeah exactly. they had allison and allison and um van dyke van dyke out for an extended period of time and trent and robertson were both injured for a significant number of weeks as well and liverpool dropped away off the pace they got back to where they needed to be yeah. top four by the end of the season but yeah they were never really in the title hunt last season yeah. So it's so what a good job Chelsea are doing, is... yeah. Martz Martson is on loan at High Flying Coventry, who mm. are in sixth place in the championship. Yeah. He's um, had good reviews as well. I think people are a big fan of his, so another one off the Chelsea. The, the the Chelsea Youth Academy is finally paying off. It's <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. It is. There was a really <laughs> After... good article actually about that. I forget who I think it was in the Independence around that where they were talking about the Cobham the Cobham effect on not just Chelsea but the Premier League in general. Because mm. if you look at how many ex-Chelsea yeah, players there, there are. There are so yeah. many players across the Premier League that are from the Chelsea youth system. Like in Man mm. City, you've got like Nathan Aki. You've got yeah. Leeds have signed Lewis Bate. You've got Tariq Lanty yeah. at Brighton. You've got just yeah. all these players, Liverpool and Southampton, all these players from Cobham that, you know, all these years of the investing in the youth system is finally coming to Finally fruition. paying off. And it's also, also helping Chelsea as well. Like our squad is full of, Cobham players like Mountain Reese James, even players like Declan Rice, like he was. Yes, at Chelsea. he was Chelsea when right. he was younger. Yeah, yep. like it's mm. it's just you know it feels like years of patience from the Chelsea kind of board and the system is actually paying off now, which is good. Well, it it took a lot. England had a similar situation where there was oh we've got this next batch of youngsters coming through, blah 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 blah, and everybody sort of promised that for years, but then I think they properly looked at the German the Germany model like. Um, after the 2006 World Cup, I think, mm. 
uh, and restructured all their sort of youth programs and stuff. And again, 15 years later, 10, 15 years later, we're starting to reap the rewards for that. When you yeah. look at who all the best young players in the Premier League are right now, That's the majority true. of them are English. That is true. Um, so, and again, say what you want about England's route to major finals in recent tournaments or semi finals, they've been fairly. Um, it's fallen fairly nicely for England, but we're getting much further in competitions than we ever have mm. done in in previous years. So similar things happening. Well. In, yeah, similar things happening in England. I think that is happening at Chelsea. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what? Yeah, I don't think you settled on a score. A score. Well, what I you'd was... give Tuchel and the boys so far? Because I'm a, I'm a notorious pessimist. I think I'm going <laughs> to go with an eight out of ten. I think we've had a very good start to the year. I was annoyed that we played as we did against Man City in that game against them we looked poor against them and we've had a few performances mm-hmm. where we have looked not like not the team that we're trying to be like mm-hmm. against Burnley we were poor at home against Man U we should have won that game and we played really negatively against them and against Watford they really attacked us and we didn't know how to handle it so we've had a few shaky performances and shaky games but generally speaking you if you're not happy with how it's gone so far you are insane mm-hmm. like it's, been, it's been a good yeah. start yeah Good. Um, update on the Man United Arsenal situation. Half an hour gone. Man United come into it a bit more, mm. but they look. I think Ranić. I think I saw a uh, shot of Ranić. He's in the, in the crowd, stadium. So. Isn't he? yeah. He's what he must be watching this, thinking, "Good lord, I should have stayed in Russia," because <laughs> <laughs> they look a bit, um, a bit all over the shop. Uh, was there any games from the weekend then? We'll give you, you and the listeners, a quick uh, refresh of what happened at the weekend because it feels, I say, it feels like a lifetime ago. It does. Uh, Arsenal beat Newcastle 2 0. Southampton lost to Liverpool 4 0. Norwich and Wolves drew 0 0. Great game. Uh, Palace uh, lost at home to Aston Villa 2 1. Brighton and Leeds drew 0 0. Brentford managed to beat Everton 1 0. And there was that really funny video of all the Everton fans absolutely losing their minds at the, at the Everton players when they came over to yeah. uh, to apologise. And the Everton fans essentially told them to, uh, well, swivel. Uh, <laughs> Man City beat West Ham 2 1. Leicester beat Watford 4 2. And then, of course, Chelsea, as you mentioned, beat Man United 1 all. Is it any. Beat them one all, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, was there any result or performance from either a team or an individual that you saw that stood out to you from the weekend's fixtures? I think it's it's probably because I, I haven't had a chance to be on the episode yet. I think it's worth looking at Villa and how well they've started at the Gerrard. I mm-hmm. think they've had a couple of games. The two games that they won until yesterday, which when they lost to Man City, spoiler yeah. for yesterday, um, <laughs> they rode their luck a bit. However, they have they looked a bit more up for it than they did under Dean Smith towards the end of his reign. They looked yeah. far more of a cohesive unit. They looked more like they had an actual plan and they knew that they wanted to keep things tight at the back and wanted to try and go forward as well. And I think they've start, they started about as well as I think Jared could have hoped they'd have started. And I think they are only going to get better um, as the season goes on. And I think he's going to do a good job there this year. And I think they've shown a bit of life that people didn't think they had left in them, which is good. Yeah. And it's good to see that Ollie Watkins is scoring again because he was really good last year, but then he just went off the ball this year. He um, was, yeah. He was he was in and around the England setup for was, yeah. pretty much the whole of last season. I can't remember if he went to the Euros or not, but he I was... don't think he did. I think he was definitely in their provisional squad. And then I don't think yeah, he, he might miss missed the cut. Yeah. yeah, But no, yeah, he's, what, two goals in three games since yeah. Gerrard's come And back? that first goal, he's in his first game, that was beautiful. That like long run that you just 
mm. whacked in the top corner was lovely. Yeah. yeah, I think my standout resort that weekend was just Everton losing at Brentford. I mean, I know we, <laughs> joked, we joked about it just then with the video of the fans, but mm. and again, that's been in, impounded since, again, spoiler alert, they got absolutely smashed to pieces by Liverpool um, last night as we're recording this Wednesday. Um, but yeah, and it, it was it was not it was just the manner of it as well. And they, they dominated the ball. Don't get me wrong, and they had the more chances. And Brentford only won because they scored a penalty. Like, mm. but that is the kind of game that Everton, if they've got any, like, I'm not saying Everton should be competing to the, for the top four or even maybe the top six. But at any club, you want to see improvement year on year and progression. And you want to see, yeah, from the entire team, you want to see players like go on to the next level from where they were the season before. And mm. I don't know they're missing Calvert-Lewin, who is obviously a huge miss for them and a massive focal point of everything they tried to do going forwards. But yeah. they just look so poor. And then their run of run of results, what's that? Is it now six losses in it? Well, no winning seven or something yeah. and six losses out of seven or something like goodness me. And then. Their upcoming fixtures, they've got Arsenal, who look, again, they're beating Man United tonight, and they look pretty solid at the minute. Mm-hmm. They've got Chelsea, they've got Everton, they've got Leicester, like... We're going to find not... the wins in that run. Like, it's going to be a tough time. And I think, didn't you, I think you shared in our group chat that the board are going to back Benitez. There was a report in the, I think it was a Telegraph today, yeah, that uh, they've obviously had a meeting today, and um the board have and they've decided that they're going to keep benitez and back him in january and say right we're going to go out and buy you some players and you've got the second half <sighs> which seems meant uh, they didn't spend a penny though uh, the they, only spe- pe- they bought damari gray for like that was the o- yeah like- that was the only thing they did which yeah. uh, which and like as good as gray and townsend have been in spurts this season like again if you're a team trying to finish top six seven mm. i don't know if they're like Gray left Leicester for a reason, and again yeah. he's had he's had good games this season, but he's not top top quality, is he? No. Um, I've never understood like a player like Iwobi, for example. I've mm. never understood what he's done. Um, Richarlison's gone way well off the boil. Yeah. Um, even Decore started the season and was in our team of the week pretty much every week for the first four, four or five weeks of the season. He seems to have gone well off the boil as well, and. Like Luca Dina and his entire game is he's solid defensively, but he's such an offensive outlet for them as yeah. well. And he hasn't he hasn't registered an assist this season yet, which is considering Unlike his role him. in previous yeah. yeah his role in previous Everton teams and how he played at Barcelona and PSG as well. That's very unlike him. So, but then if they're going to back Benitez in January and throw a load of money at it, and it still doesn't work, and they sack him in the summer or before the summer, like you've just spent however much money they're going to spend on players that the new manager might not want mm. like it just seems like such a short maybe they're not thinking that way maybe they're thinking well we're committed to Benitez for three years whatever happens or something yeah. but it seems to me a really weird thing to do to commit to a to a manager who's so obviously and blatantly quickly running out of uh, running out of rope as it comes to the Everton fans he didn't have much in the first place anyway. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. and then they went on that good start to the season and they all thought, well, maybe give him the benefit of the doubt. And then obviously the last two months has just been an absolute disaster for him. It has. Um, so I don't know whether chucking money at it and then trying with the assume 
the intention of keeping him long term, whether that's a good thing to do because that's just going to annoy the fan base unless there's yeah. a, such a an upturn in form in in the coming weeks. I said to Jake last night, and I've said to my colleagues at work, I don't think he'll be here prior to that report. That I didn't think he'd be here in January. I thought mm. the obviously the condensed fixture schedule. Um, he's got obviously six or seven games now before January. Mm. I thought they'd probably be they'd enough have to cut their ties at some point. Because There'd be enough momentum in in that run yeah. of fixtures in the in the uh, to get Benitez out of there. Exactly. Negative momentum, I should say. Exactly. I think I don't think he's the man for the Premier League anymore. Like he had his time at Liverpool. When even when he came back at Chelsea for a bit, he was still very. His style of play is very outdated. I think compared to what it should what it is nowadays. Yeah. And I think there was a really good analysis of um about Everton in the Athletic today about the game against Liverpool when they just got destroyed. That they played four four two, and it was like that played perfectly into Liverpool's hands, and it, they didn't press them well enough. They didn't have enough of a cohesive team effort to try and stop Liverpool. It was anywhere near how you have to play against them, and it was like, why haven't you set them up properly? And it's just I don't know. Everton just don't feel like a team that they know what they are and know how no. to attack games properly, especially without Calvert Lewin. Like when he yeah. comes back, there might be a, a difference in you know form for them, but. But he's be. been out for a long time, and yeah. and it looks it's a horrible situation where you're in like this, where you are hoping that somebody who's been out for a number of weeks and months now is going to be the savior because that yeah. immediately puts so much pressure on their soldiers and their shoulders, and they're not going to be anything close to match fit. Um, and again, and it just heaps pressure on that. And like you said, he we missed that amount of time. What's he's not he played? Did he play the first week of the season? He played the first few weeks and he, he yeah. was, I remember he was on fantasy football anyway. He was always yellow. I was like, he might not play. <laughs> he might he not play. He played most of the games. He scored a good few goals and he was quite good at the start of the season. Um, but then when he, came, he went away, uh, Everton just absolutely tanked him. Yeah. The amount um, of reliance, that reliance on one player is unhealthy. No, exactly. It, it yeah. is unhealthy and it's not sustainable. So no. they are going to hope that, like you said, he is the answer when he comes back. But oof. um it's kind of a nice segue, really, to go into the midweek fixtures and let's talk about that Merseyside derby because, again, I watched that last night. They gave all the whole nine minutes of it, and they're not even in they not even in the same league. Those two teams, <laughs> no, like no. it was phenomenal how much better uh, Liverpool were than Everton. Yeah, and the whole uh, the Ballon d'Or stuff this week, and I can't believe how good Mo Salah is and how he only managed to get voted seventh, was yeah, it? Yeah, seventh it was, yeah. His first, his, he scored two, yeah, his first goal. Um, oh, when he gorgeous, when he just I've never, honestly, I, I, I this might be hyperbolic, but I, I think I'm genuine when I say I've never seen a player run with the ball as quickly as Mo Salah. Like, he doesn't drop a, a, a yard of pa- he doesn't drop any pace at all when he's running with the ball he runs at the same speed as if he mm. didn't have the ball at his feet yeah. which is remarkable I don't think I say I'm I'm probably think, but I don't think I've ever seen somebody run as like easily and quickly with the ball at his feet that Mo Salah does and then just to open up the goal and it was so obvious to Pickford and everybody else where Salah was going <laughs> to yeah. was going to put that but you just can't do anything about I it know. and to hit it still running at full pace 
it's just like I was just sat there. I think I even applauded on the sofa. I was just like, it's <laughs> like one of those. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not one of those people that applauds where the plane lands. But I will no. sit on my sofa and applaud a good goal when I watch. Pasala's mission to prove me deathly wrong about him is quite incredible. Like I've said for years that I, I just feel like. There's something about Salah I've never been quite comfortable comfortable with because I remember what he was like at Chelsea and he was so bad at Chelsea. He was I very raw because he'd come from Basel, didn't he? He signed he did. from. Yeah. And I remember he had a few he had a really good season in the Champions League for Basel. It was him and there was Quadrado two of them. Up front. Signed. Oh, in Basel. Was I no idea. They, there was two, it was Salah and somebody else, and right. they both got signed to big European clubs after I can't remember who it was. Mm. Um but yeah, so he probably, he obviously was a much more raw prospect, just like De Bruyne was at Chelsea, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. And Lukaku. And, he and Lukaku, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, but yeah, I understand your point. But then, so, you know, but then you see him do things like he did yesterday, like the, the first goal especially. The second goal was still very good as well, and that was a different yeah. one because he had the pace and the strength to hold off the defender. Like, they're both great goals, and it's just, he keeps doing things that I can't believe he's able to do. And I just mm. kind of feel like, how much of it at this point? I keep saying, oh, that was a lucky goal. Oh, the lucky deflections. <laughs> but when he keeps getting these lucky deflections, they can't be Make lucky. Make your own really. luck. Yeah. That's the saying. Like, oh, and oh, it's one all one in all. the Manuel yeah. game. Fernandez yeah. just scored. Um, but it's a bit like the same thing. I felt the same thing about Suarez when he was Liverpool. No, Suarez is an oh, amazing God, player. Don't, don't say that name. I know, he's I traumatic for you. He haunts um, me. <laughs> but Suarez had a f- every so often he'd have a few things where you have like, oh, lucky ricochets off his shins and stuff. But when they happen that often, it becomes like part of just how, why he's so good is that he reacts yeah. to the ball as quicker than anyone else does. You know, I think that Salah's got that Salah's same Salah's very similar trait. Yeah, in, that, yeah. in that regard. Yeah. yeah. He's just... Oh. I, I I do know what you mean. You do, like there's sometimes like the ball just gets stuck under his feet sometimes, yeah. and I know what you mean when it's just like he looks a bit sort of like clumsy. Ungainly. Yeah, he does. yeah. But when he's in full flight, mm. he's unbelievable. And like he was what forty forty five yards out when he picked that ball up oh, yesterday. Absolutely and I, me and Jake just went goal both <laughs> straight away. Like he still had forty yards to go to the to the goal, and we were like, "That's not what. Let's just blow the whistle and like." start again because like he's so ruthless in front of goal as well yeah. and he's and he's oh he's phenomenal and i can't no i'm not i'm, I'm not I'm, no offense to you reese or any other chelsea fans listening but <laughs> i can't believe that regardless of what Jorginho achieved in his teams last year yeah, yeah. winning the euros and winning the champions league obviously that he's not a better player than most. Oh no, absolutely. And, it, not. and I don't think he had a better. Again, it's how much you weight team success versus like individual stats and success and day to day, um, sort of performance week to week performances. And obviously, they give quite a bit of weight to, um, trophies. I think at, at FIFA. Um, other, hence why Jorginho and is there and Ronaldo is in sixth. Um, but yeah, he's easily in the top, one of the best informed players in the league in the yeah. world right now, most are. And I top on the three, not even included. Topic of the Ballon d'Or as well. Like I, I personally, I still can't believe that Messi won it. Like it's not. That's not to say that Messi isn't the best. Player it's again this this trophy thing. He yeah. won his first ever trophy with Argentina. Mm. He won the Copa America. Yeah. Um, that's the biggest thing isn't it it was like a moment that everyone's like oh he's finally won it on the Italian yeah. stage but also like if you're looking at 
you know, players around today, who would you want to play against less than Lewandowski or Salah? Like those, that should be the metric for me that if, if on their day, who would you least like to play against? And if it's, you know, it should be that kind of person. And yeah. no team wants to try and stop Salah. No team wants to try and stop Lewandowski because whatever happens, they will find a way. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter who they're playing against. They will always and find a way. To Messi's, uh, the second half of Messi's season last year with Barcelona, with his last season with Barcelona, it wasn't, I think he finishes their top scorer. He scored, his goal scoring record in the Liga was as good last season as it was in a majority of his previous seasons. Yeah, yeah. But it's just the fact that he's gone to PSG and he's only scored one league goal since he's been there. And mm-hmm. PSG have st- stuttered a bit this season they've not yeah. been the sort of all dominant sort of world footballing power that we thought they were going to be so i don't know and i i agree with i i, I agree with you that it, the shortlist should have started with salah and Lewandowski and sort yeah. of ended there really yeah. as your as your winner and obviously Lewandowski was the actual uh, runner-up but um and i didn't yeah. like Messi's speech when he was like, "Oh, they should you, you should have the should last have given year's it to trophy." Lewandowski. Like yeah. that means nothing. That doesn't help him at all. Yeah. Why no, have you said that? <laughs> like <laughs> it's made him feel worse about exactly. it. Exactly. Um. Yeah, we will. We've moved on to the uh, Merseyside over there, so we'll quickly go through the other midweek results. Um, for those who either weren't paying attention or have forgotten because they've slept twice since then or whatever. <laughs> um, so on the Tuesday night, Newcastle and my boys, Norris drew one all. Uh, Leeds beat Palace 1-0 with a last-minute penalty from Rafinha. Um, yesterday on Wednesday night, as we are recording this, Southampton and Leicester drew two all. Uh, Wolves, Wolves got uh, another nil-nil draw under their belt at home to Burnley. Uh, Chelsea just beat Watford, as we've mentioned, to one. West Ham and Brighton drew one-one, but then again, yeah, I think there was quite a bit of controversy in that game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Everton got pumped at home to Liverpool four-one, um, and Man City managed to beat Aston Villa two-one. And I say, as we are recording this, uh, Man United Arsenal is just going going to half time, and it's one-all. Uh, and Spurs are 2 0 up on Brentford. The first goal was an own goal by Sergi Canals, even though Jake got very excited in our group chat and said, <laughs> Who needs Mbappe when you've got Ben Davis? But it was an own goal. Um, and Hyung Min's son scored the second goal in the second half, and they've got about oh, 10 minutes left. He's been scored for a long time, isn't it? Son. It is a very good, good, it's very, yeah, he's, he's, him and Kane have struggled again in comparison to previous years where they're. they're goal and assist output it's just like i'm sure i don't know the numbers i'm gonna take a wild stab at the dark in the dark but like i assume between the two of them in terms of goals and assists they must make up like two-thirds of spurs's offensive output um so yeah it's good to see him back on the score sheet because i love i love son and i think again if you were speaking about him last season i think he'd walk into pretty much any team in the world Mm -hmm. in his form in the last couple of years and it's good to see him back and playing. Yeah. Um, so from the midweek games, um, was there anything? We've, uh, I think Liverpool, as good as they were, and as a continuing theme, Everton being as bad as they were, was a a good uh, storyline. But was there again another a game that stood out to you or storyline or? Um, that well, I you? do want to address uh, that this week I had my first of the season and my first proper Norwich experience uh, um. on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, you couldn't have picked home. a worse game. Oh my god! And I'll I'll be honest, it was it was hard to watch. Like you'd think after Kieran Clark got sent off after nine minutes, you'd think Norwich here can express themselves. They can go like, let's we're here to stay in the Premier League. 
and yet they got <laughs> they went out of ten men, and Newcastle got better. <laughs> like Norwich could they not did. handle Newcastle's play. Sam Maximan was just having a riot against your defence, and he was just running at you all the time. And they were creating more and more chances, and their goal was inevitable. And you know, I think eventually a point was a fair result. And I, I, I think goal, it was, by the way, yeah. it was a lovely goal. It that was a good goal. Strike was excellent. He scored a remarkably similar one against Newcastle when we were in the Premier League two years ago. Mm. Except it was with his right foot and in the other corner. It was like <laughs> literally, literally a mirror, a mirror image. image. Yeah. yeah, very weird. Um, yeah. But, but, yeah, I don't think you could have picked a worse game. Mm. Uh, Dean Smith said afterwards that he'd rather the red card didn't happen and Pookie yeah. would have just gone through and scored because it completely ruined their game plan. And and it took them, he said it took them way too long to re, re-establish and sort of re, rework what they were actually going to try and do. Um, Norwich looks yesterday, they're like, they really missed Norman in midfield. And his... Of 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 how much I've championed championed him, his passing is actually probably not his best attribute. Yeah. I think I saw a stat um, that his pass completion rate at the minute this season is he's averaging about sixty eight percent, so it's not good at Very all, really. Yeah. But um, he dictates tempo really, really well, and Norwich looked really slow and um, they did. turgid and stodgy against Newcastle and um, yeah again Smith said that they couldn't get that it took them too long to realize that they needed to get the ball out wide because Newcastle were giving them so much space out wide and Smith said himself he brought on um, Janoulis at left back with like 20 minutes to go who's naturally left footed and Williams was playing who's naturally right footed so he wanted to cut in and he said it took him too long to realize to that they needed that natural width from Janoulis yeah, yeah. at left backs and he came on and he got the assist for Pukki um Lovely cross as well, by the way. It was. And Smith held his hands up and said he admitted that it took him too long to realise that as well. And Norwich Norwich really didn't look like they thought they could win it until they scored. Um, And the last 10 minutes, we were pretty much all over Newcastle. We should have won. We should have won. Lise Malou missed an unbelievable chance in the last minute. And... um, and obviously, naturally, Newcastle were tiring by that point. And like, in the end, we ended up dominating possession and have like two and a half times the amount of passes and triple the amount of shots or whatever. But it didn't really... It was, it was one of those frustrating games that I hate to think that we might look back at it in May and think, oh, if we get relegated by a point or two, that yeah. that, that might be the one. I think... Um, I haven't spoken to you about Smith since, um, really, no, since yeah. he's got his feet in the table and on the podcast. But I think the first two game, the first two games were like in a completely different league to that game. I wish you'd been able to watch one. <laughs> I wish your first Norwich City experience had been one of the other two games. Um, yeah. First half against Southampton, we were terrible, um, but um, second half against them, we were dominant and deserved. Well. Deserved at least a point. I think, again, after the Wolves game, we should have 100% of beaten Wolves. And mm. Smith said that we probably maybe got an extra two points against Southampton that we maybe should have done because of how poor we were in the first half. But then we dropped two points against Wolves, so it kind of equaled itself out in what we in our point output from the games. Um, but Norwich look a completely different team under Smith already than they did under Farker. Their defensive shape is... Unrecognized, like we have one, which yeah. is a good place, a good place to start. Um, when you consider, cons- um, consider again, you have to take in the opposition into account. But we're conceding a lot less chances. 
the against Wolves, we conceded the least amount of shots uh, that we have this century in the Premier League. Um, so, and again, Wolves are, although they're not scoring a lot of goals this season, it's not like they're not creating chances, and we absolutely um, stifled them um, at the weekend. Um, so there's huge improvement on the defensive side of the ball. I say the defensive shape looks much better. From set pieces, we look much more sturdy, both and much more of a threat going forwards as well. I think Grant, uh, Grant Hanley obviously scored from a set piece um, against Southampton, the winner in Smith's first game. So there's a lot to be excited about on that side of the ball. And he seems to be getting the best out of Puki. Like we're playing much more to Puki's strengths uh, as it stands. And uh, Mila Rashica was another player that we really missed against Newcastle because the f- games against Southampton and Wolves, he looks like the player we thought we were going to be signing in the yeah. summer. Um, his work rate is unbelievable. He's been tracking all the way back from left wing. He's tricky. He got the um, he got the assist in the game against Brentford, and then he created. He got the he got uh, he won the corner, which got the. Uh, as the aforementioned Grant Hanley goal against Southampton, so he, and he's trickery on the ball once he's in full flow. He's different. He's not like an out and out pace winger, but he's like he's quite burly and stocky. But and he kind of runs through defenders rather than round them. But he's got this. Is when the ball's at its feet, it, at its feet, he seems really difficult to um to stop. And yeah, he was a a big miss against Newcastle as well. And he naturally gives you a lot of width. Um, which uh, Jolis came in for him, and he against Newcastle, he was really he looked a bit lost, and he he, he was he was trying to um he was trying to come inside a lot, uh, and again I think he is naturally right footed as well, so that might have been an issue for him playing out on the left. But when in previous games where Rashika has been sticking to the to the sideline and giving you that wide option, Jolis was trying to run inside through the lines, and it, how Newcastle set them up selves up post red card it wasn't really working so he got taken off at half time and so i think he's going to be a bit of a project there's obviously a talent there say less than two years ago united barcelona Bayern munich were all offering having um a trial he was offering trying to get him on trial at their club to see if they could sign him so there's obviously a player in there it's i think i think his confidence has taken a bit of a knock since he like cantwell maybe fell out with farker a bit um and it might take him a while to get back to it. I think there is a player in there, but um, we we need to see more of it in the Premier League. The yeah. dangerous thing with Norwich at the minute, Reese, and I don't want to say it, is that I believe again. <laughs> Am I deluded? or I don't know how closely you've watched Norwich. Do you... I mean... Do you think there's optimism to... I know if you look at the table, obviously we're only three points behind, but mm. there's just something about, like... Coming from behind to get points is something that Norwich have never done well. Yeah. And we've done it. Uh, we did it against Newcastle and we did it against Southampton. Mm. And again, under Farker, we'd have lost that Newcastle game like 2-0. Yeah, that's true. Because we'd, we'd have just collapsed. Um, we would have never come back to beat Southampton. And we'd probably lost to Wolves because our defensive shape wouldn't have been good enough. Mm. But so, am I getting ahead of myself or do you see a glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel? I do see a bit of life in there. I I do. I think it was. I didn't enjoy the game on Tuesday. I've got to be honest. I didn't. No, but I think you could, especially in the last, you know, ten minutes or so, you showed that you have got that kind of attacking threat that you can score more goals than you did before, which is a good mm. sign. 
And I also think that there are a few teams in and around you in the league that could conceivably fall and join you in that kind of level that you would, you've just got to kind of be, get enough points to beat those because yeah. it's already getting very congested at the bottom there. Like Newcastle mm. are far and away the worst team in the league at this point, which is good. You've, mm. you know, you've lost that title, which is good. Um, <laughs> which you wouldn't have two months ago. Yeah. No, I exactly. Yeah. And like Burnley, are, they just keep drawing at the minute, which is annoying to watch, but they're not playing well enough for me to win games. Watford, they're having a bad luck of a bad run of games, but you know they're managing to play well, but not getting the results. And they've got they defend game they, they defensively scare me. Watford, yeah. not not as a Norwich fan. If I was a Watford fan, I yes. keep playing. Like, yeah, <laughs> if, I, exactly. if I was a Watford fan, they defensively scare me because I think they they're kind of then. I assume they're obviously not going into every game thinking, well, we'll just score more than the opposition, no. but that kind of looks like how they're set up, which yeah. when you are defined, when you're in the championship and you're expected to be top three or four teams, but yeah, when you're Watford in the Premier League, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. But I, mean, I agree with you. I then got Southampton leads and I think it probably yeah. extends to Brentford as well. I think it's, yeah. I think and it's Everton, three. F- I think I'm going to include Everton because they're so shit. Oh, I, I, they can't, they won't, they, sh- they won't get relegated. They won't fall down there, but no. they're currently so bad that they're playing worse than Newcastle are. They're playing worse than Norwich are. They're playing worse than Burnley are at the minute. They are I think, atrocious. Yeah, I think realistically it's three from seven. Newcastle, Norwich, Burnley, Watford, Southampton, Leeds and Brentford. Yeah. Yeah, realistically. And... That was a betting man. Yeah, go on then. I think on current form, I would put money on it being Newcastle, Watford and Burnley going down. You know, I would go... I, I, it's it's so difficult to predict what Newcastle are going to look like at the end of the season. And mm. again, obviously, they're not going to have be getting in a load of world beaters because nobody's going to be looking at Newcastle and thinking, yeah, I want to buy into that exactly. <laughs> right, right now. Um, it could go both ways. There, They could get themselves a load of players where... Uh, they get themselves enough quality in, and it and it sees them over the line, and they scrape and then scrape through, and then they can build on that in the summer. Or we've seen it happen multiple times before when you bring in too many players, and it it unbalances the team, yeah. to the dressing mm-hmm. room, and I know, and I'm and I know the Newcastle dressing room probably isn't the nicest place in the world to be right now, but the load of new face, too many new faces, could upset the apple cart even more. Yeah. Um, Oh, also, I would. If you look at their run in December, you know they've they've got Burnley at the weekend, which is absolutely massive, which we'll get mm. into later. But then they've got Leicester, Liverpool, Man City back to back, and Man U back to back to back to back. Blimey! Then they've got Everton away, and at that point, Everton might might be in the shit Bloody. with them or mm. sort themselves out. Uh, but then after Christmas, after New Year, they've got Southampton, Watford, Leeds, Newcastle, which um, Everton, sorry, which is again those are games they have to win. So playing Everton you, twice in like literally a, twice a in a week, literally <laughs> on the thirtieth and the 9th of thirtieth of February. No, I'm wrong. It's twice in a month. There's a there's a break in January. It'd be uh, FA Cup, wouldn't it? Yeah, oh, there's yeah, a break at the end at the end of January as well. I'm yeah, just so they're here. playing on the thirtieth of December and then the 9th of February. So about oh, that'll be four, yeah, they'll be fourth round of FA Cup as well. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that yeah, twice in five games. Yeah, that's huge. They're playing literally the top four, and, and then, then the bottom four. and then the bottom four. <laughs> it's a it's a huge couple of months for Newcastle. They're gonna have to pick a. Let's put your money on the table. They're gonna have to pick up a win from somewhere. Yes. Let's look at their fixtures again. 
where do you think Newcastle's first win is? This might be a spoiler for our previews coming up, <laughs> but where do you think their first win is coming from? I think if I ugh, I can't see him beating any of the next five. I think Burnley will manage to pull out a draw on Saturday because they always do. I think it might be Everton just before New Year. That oh, will be do you really win. think Everton will be that bad? Everton are oh, honestly, unless Calvert Lewin comes back. Everton, I've really struggled to see where they're going to get anything at this point. I think their team is so poor. The squad of players they have is so not Premier League level that they're going to struggle. And I think Newcastle, they will be able to just... They've got to grind out a win from somewhere. And I think that'll be the game they do. Because they won't beat Liverpool, Man City or Man U. Because Man U at that point should probably have a bit more of a, a Ranić effect about them. Mm. Um, so I think it'll be... It's either going to be Burnley this weekend or Everton. That's where it's going to be. I agree with you to one extent. I think it could be Burnley this weekend. If it's not Burnley this weekend, I'm going to put my neck on the line and say they're not going to win a game until the 15th of January where they Watford. host Watford. Wow. Which I don't, I don't know when that historic Derby team um, won their first game. Uh, but <laughs> to not win a game before mid-January in the league would be... Remark. I just well, look. Fourteen ha- now, is it? Uh, yeah, this was game week fourteen. That's been happened in this midweek. It would be game if it was Watford. It would be game twenty-two when they win a game, which would be something special. That would be something, wouldn't it? I just look <laughs> at that. Like you said, though, like unless it is Burnley this weekend, Leicester away, Liverpool away, Man City mm-hmm. at home, irrelevant because Man City would just beat them at home. It doesn't yeah. matter where you play Man City. United at home, maybe. Yeah, like you mm. said, you'd expect United to be fully into the sort of Ranić era by then, and um, but it might. It's but we all know that he's notorious for a bit of. Um, he's very much my way or the highway, and he's very. Mm. Um, his way of playing is maybe a little difficult for players to get used to immediately. So maybe they'll have a bit of a bedding in period where they're maybe a bit easier to beat, and maybe Newcastle can take advantage of that. <laughs> I didn't realise how rough it was for Newcastle over Christmas. Oh, that is that's brutal. That is it brutal. Is. I think I th- I, when there was, there was a lot of talk about this game and everyone was saying this is must win for Newcastle. And I was thinking, is it? Because like it would be good to win, obviously, and get your first win under the belt and get things moving. But like it's not at this point of the season must win. But I've just looked... But just looking at, at their games. fixtures now, yeah. like come... January, they could be, they could be seven or eight points adrift at the bottom. Yeah, they really could be. They really could be. That's pretty scary. If you, are and I, I said this as well. From... I think the fact that their record is no wins, seven draws, seven defeats is absolutely <laughs> vile. It's just disgusting to look at. I'm really sorry. It's not good, is it? It looks like a no. It's it's not good at all. Really not good. They conceded more goals. Burnley's one seven five is also shit. Like, yeah, ugh. like when I think as well, Norwich have have conceded twenty eight goals this season, which is less than Newcastle. But one of those was a seven nil absolute thumping. Yeah, like true. if you like average that out and say it was like a three nil Chelsea loss, lost to Chelsea. Then you, like Newcastle have conceded will have conceded so many more goals than Norwich. Yeah. They're just really, really bad, really bad. Um. Good. Well, we've talked about Newcastle-Burnley there. That is one of the upcoming games this weekend. Mm. 
Um, it's the first three o'clock kickoff on Saturday. So we will move on to our previews. Uh, before we do, I just want to say about the Smith Rowe goal, uh, whether we were on the right side of history with it, um, yeah, whether yeah. we thought it was actually a goal or not. Um, turns out that the entirety of Twitter agrees with me and you that it had to be given as a goal. Uh, apart from one person who is, I will give you a guess which Man United. Uh, Rio Ferdinand, probably. No, I, well, I don't. Yeah. I don't know if I follow Rio Ferdinand. The person that popped up my timeline that said, uh, "Does fair play not exist?" Then, or were to that effect, <laughs> was Mark Goldbridge himself. Oh. <laughs> the, the, the only man on Twitter who uh, I didn't see saying, "Yeah, that was one hundred percent should have been a goal." Oh, um, fair play should not count towards a goal being scored. Well, uh, well, it's not even fair play because. What, there was like two seconds? Well, anyway, we don't want to get into that debate again. But um, A quick update on how things are going score-wise for us before we can jump into these previews as well. Uh, after the weekend fixtures, uh, Reese, you are on 65 points. Jake is on 72 and I'm on 73. Shit. As things stand at the minute in midweek, um, I must say Jake is on course as it stands. I don't know if the Spurs game is finished. He's guessed 2-0 guessed to Spurs, so he might get a perfect score there. Uh, Rishu on 68 points. Uh, Jake is on 67, uh, 76, sorry, and I'm on 77. So again, me and Jake are one point ahead and yeah. um, you've fallen one, one point further behind. Uh, but you've gone for tonight. You went for a 2-1 Brentford, which still could happen. Could be. Um, I went for a two-one Brentford as well, uh, and you've gone for a one-all between Man United and Arsenal, and I went Which for a two. Yes, yeah, so I went for a two-one Arsenal win, um, and Jake went points. for a two-one United win. So we've got all bases covered with that one. <laughs> uh, but we'll jump into the game previews for the upcoming weekend, Reese, and your boys are kicking us off, kicking off the weekend's action. They are travelling to West Ham, pretty close by, pretty nearby, uh, for the twelve thirty kickoff on Saturday. Go on, West Ham hosting Chelsea. Oh, always a stressful game, this one. It does feel like West Ham are always really up for this one. Is this the... Which, as a Chelsea fan, I never know who Chelsea's, like, proper rivals are, really. Mm. Like, who who do you class as your biggest rival? Is it personally, West Ham? No, I, personally, it's Tottenham, just based on history. It's always been a very heated rivalry. I'm basing my years. assumption that it's West Ham purely off Green Street. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could be I mean, Chelsea West Ham has always been a bit of rivalry, but then it's always with any London team. Chelsea Arsenal is Chelsea West Ham is Chelsea Fulham is apparently our biggest rivalry, only based on geography. Um, yeah. Personally, I think it's Chelsea Tottenham is the biggest. That's the one fixture that I think every Chelsea fan is like, we don't lose to fucking Tottenham. Like that's our one thing in the. Sorry, season. I know Jake's not here. Um, we can laugh. Did you see that video of Frank Lampard? Oh, uh, it was recently. Glorious. We we doing that interview with Gary Neville. Yeah. Did like quick fire questions and what they and they said we used to go to Spurs and what do they used to call Win Win Hart Lane or something? White Hart Lane, three point lane, yeah. three point lane, which yeah. they did for years <laughs> in like the mid two thousands in the Lampard kind of when he was at his absolute peak of his Chelsea powers. We used to beat Tottenham we, year on year, home and away, without any difficulty at all. It, it was always a shock when we didn't beat them. And it was, you know, I remember there was one of my worst nights as a Chelsea fan when I was younger was we played them in the League Cup. And we, I think it was we won the first leg 2-1 in the semi-final of the League Cup. And Hasselbank scored like a screaming free kick. It was amazing. 
But the second half, second leg, sorry, Spurs smashed us 5-1. And I remember that was like a cataclysm for the Chelsea fan base. Like it was Mm -hmm. the worst result for years we've had against Tottenham. And since then, it's always been, we cannot lose to Tottenham. And there's been a few kind of big games against them in years gone by, like the the, the famous quote-unquote Battle of the Bridge when Chelsea won Leicester the title a couple of years back. Yeah. And Tottenham really enjoyed that they got loads of yellow cards. They had DVD mm. sales for that game and all that shit. It was bizarre. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, Chelsea Tottenham is, is, for me, that's the big derby of the uh, mm. year. But West Ham is up there. So to go into that game, it is it does always stress me out as a Chelsea fan. But I think West Ham have hit a bit of a sticky run of form. Um, they've you know lost two of the last three. Uh, they lost to Wolves. They lost to um, who else did they Man City as well. And they drew against Brighton. So they've just hit a bit of a rough patch. But then obviously playing is Liverpool and Man Liverpool, Man City in close succession. They beat Liverpool but lost to Man City. You know, it's a tricky run of fixtures. Um, losing to Brighton was a bit of a... Well, drawing to Brighton, sorry, was a bit of a tricky result for them. I thought they were going to win that quite comfortably. But Brighton mm. looked better than I thought they would against them, actually, on the highlights anyway. Um, but West Ham are always up for it. And they're, always, they're going to have players that are going to cause Chelsea issues. Because as we've seen in recent history... Chelsea have looked a bit shaky with facing a few injury troubles. Like our midfield is a bit, you know, weak at this point. We don't have Kante. We probably have Jorginho playing, um, but we won't play Saul. We haven't got coverage. We haven't got Kante. Um, but the good thing is we do have Lukaku back, you know, ready. Manu have just scored. Ronaldo's just scored. Um, Brings him level with Timu Puki in the Premier League this season. <laughs> um, yeah, like Lukaku's back, Werner's back. And I think if I was a to predict, I think Lukaku will start against um, Man against West Ham at the weekend. Uh, but it's always a tricky game, this one, because West Ham are going to be up for it. You know, you, you've seen how good they play against the big sides. They, they beat Liverpool, which was an amazing result for them, and mm. they're going to be really up for this. And I think they'll want to right the wrongs of the last three games, where they've only picked up one point from nine. So it's going to be a really close match. I'm nervous about it. Um, and Chelsea have looked not as secure defensively in the last couple of games as we're used to seeing so far this year. Yeah, that um, first that first fifteen minutes against Watford, you had, oh, Watford had a couple of not clear cut chances, but decent chances. Mendy had to make a, f- a few more saves, and I thought he would have to against. Mendy Watford. looked a bit dodgy as well in that first. Oh, 15 he minutes. had a few weird kind of control mm. moments and passes. Ever since I signed him on FIFA Ultimate Team, it's rubbing <laughs> off on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so it's it's gonna be an exciting game i think west ham are really good up for it and i think chelsea will want to you know prove to that you know the footballing fan base that we are very much still the team to beat so it's gonna be a tense one but i mm. think i'm gonna go for a tentative no. 2-1 chelsea win well i preemptively copied you i didn't know you were gonna say 2-1 <laughs> to chelsea i saw horse gone for 2-1 to chelsea mm. um yeah, West Ham since that Liverpool game in a bit of an iffy spot, really. Yeah, they've been so weird this season. They've had spells where they've looked unbeatable and like yeah. the most fun team, enjoyable team to watch in the league, and then they've had some just spells that brought them back patches. down to earth a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think they might need to shake up that forward line a bit for me. I think Ben Rahm has gone a bit stale, cold. Yeah, I agree. Um. And I know, I think, I don't, this was a couple of weeks ago, but it might have changed since. But West Ham had the fewest amount of starters this season, if you know what I mean, like least oh, so um, yeah. starting 11 rotation in yeah. the league. Um, so I think they might need to shake up that front line a bit. I mean, they signed Vlasic in the summer, who's 
came with off the back of a really good season. Um, again, he, again, he's one of those players who wasn't that good at, when he was at Everton, but he's gone away and scored a load of goals and come back. Maybe they need to get him into the fold. Um, they haven't. The problem with West Ham is they haven't really got anybody they can put. I'm not saying they should drop Antonio, but they haven't really got a backup striker that's good yeah. enough at this level, which might be a big problem for them um, over the course of a season. Um, yeah, I think West Ham just need a bit of freshening up. A couple of new new starters in there. Um, Oh, Arsenal have just scored. What a game. Martin Erdegaard. We've picked the right game to watch, mate. We have. (laughs) (laughs) The football manager legend of the years gone by. Um, Yeah, but for that reason, I think Chelsea probably just got a bit of... um, a bit too much for West Ham. Like like you said as well, Chelsea have not been... Not been the the team they were as well previously in the season. Um... Injuries, as we've mentioned earlier in the show, whatever com- is com- uh, combining to create that sort of situation. But yeah, I still think Chelsea will have enough to beat West Ham. Uh, Jake disagrees. Oh. Uh, he's going for a two-all draw, which wow. would be very fun to watch. That would be a um, big game. Chelsea haven't mm. exceeded two in a goal, two in a game all year this year. Yeah, so, so they're, they're still, what they up to now six goals conceded for the season. Six goals conceded. Yes. Um, that was a good finish by Odegaard. Just watch that. Nice. That was nice. Nicely slotted in the bottom corner. Um, but we will move on to the game that we haven't been able to stop talking about in the last 20 minutes. Newcastle are hosting Burnley uh, <laughs> in the first of the three o'clock kickoffs. Um, I think we've said it all, really. This is must win for Newcastle. This it really is must win for Newcastle. Um, as we've seen about the fixtures that are following this over the festive period. Um Difficult, really difficult to sort of judge what Newcastle are because, like you said, that in, their entire game plan got thrown out the window against Norwich. The first ten minutes they looked pretty fairly decent, uh, but I can't, I can't judge that performance um, against Norwich. And that was Howe's first game at home, I believe, in my because uh, he obviously had COVID in the game uh, away at yeah. away at Newcastle. Yeah, so that was his first actual game in the dugout. Yeah, so um, yeah, I. <sighs> Tricky, I, isn't it, that one? it is true. I from what I said earlier in that the only other game I can see them winning before the fifteenth of January is the fifteenth of January at home to Watford. I don't know. I don't know if I'm inclined to give them a win here. Hmm. But Burnley are so solid. Def- they're so solid defensively. Burnley they are. are at the minute. They just ma- they're the best team in the league for just just nullifying a game and just um and as a like spectator I'm turning this off I know how this is how this is ending <laughs> how this is ending up uh, I don't know how any neutral would find themselves end up watching a Burnley game anyway but um oh, I can't do it. I don't I I don't think they're gonna win I don't I'm gonna go for a one all draw um. And and the and they won't win until the fifteenth of January. Just like you said, Watford would be the game for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Watford will be the game mm. for Newcastle, <laughs> but in a positive way. For Newcastle. But in a positive way. Yeah. See, I've looked at this game, and I'm I'm not sure about the fact that it's now it's Burnley are away at Newcastle, mm. which for me is a different factor. I think if Newcastle were going to Burnley, I think I would have Burnley to win this, but at home. There might be something there for Newcastle to get something out of this game. I guess I said earlier, it's either going to be the they beat Newcastle, they'll beat Burnley, or they'll beat Everton. Are they going to beat Burnley? I don't think they will. I think I might go for 
2-2 draw. Why not? Goodness me. All the goals. All the goals. Uh, Jake is going also for Newcastle not to get their first win. He's going for a Burnley win, a 2-1 Ooh, to Burnley. Wow. Uh, the second of only three Saturday lunchtime kickoffs. Again, I, s- I assume the whole uh, set of Saturday three o'clock, three o'clock kickoffs, I should say. Um, again, I assume this midweek uh, schedule has, has pushed a lot of these games to Sunday. But um, Wolves are hosting Liverpool. Um, Wolves, like you said, with them being seventh in the table... It's really odd because they've <laughs> they've only scored one goal in their last four games. Yeah. And they've only scored twelve goals all season, which is the second worst in the league behind uh, ahead of only somebody else. Um <laughs> so there's absolutely no way I can see them get Newcastle, by the way. They That's have insane. they have scored four goals less than Newcastle. Uh, there's a couple of te- there's quite a few teams in fact that have scored 13 uh, Wolves have scored 12 but uh, Spurs have scored 13 Leeds have scored 13 Southampton have scored 13 Brighton have scored 13 so there's a few teams that are only a goal ahead of them but yeah they are as it stands the second lowest goal scorers in the league uh, behind ahead of somebody that doesn't need to be mentioned uh, but yeah and, and there's just as a result I can't even see how they're going to get close to Liverpool here to get have a chance to get Liverpool against Liverpool in this form, you need to be able to score two or you need to be able to score three goals because I don't yeah. think you can stop Liverpool scoring goals in as they are at the minute and how Salah's playing at the minute and how Yotta's playing at the minute. Yeah, Yotta going back to Wolves not for the first time. Obviously, he did it. He went in there last season as well. But I just <sighs> Liverpool have been scoring four goals consistently for three games in a row now in the league, and I'm going to go for it again. I'm going for a four-one. Liverpool oh, win, wow. yeah. I just think they're sc- they are scoring goals for fun at the minute. Mm-hmm. Liverpool and as good as Wolves are defensively, like they have only conceded twelve goals in the league. I just think Li- Liverpool are going to get a goal early, and Wolves can't sit back like they did against Norwich and like they did against um, who did they draw to? In the- we literally just talked about all the games. Uh, they got a nil-nil draw against Burnley. Yeah, they- so they, they can't. Burnley, yeah. yeah, so they can't just. Um, sit back, soak up pressure and counter-attack. They're going to have to go for it and yeah. Liverpool will just pick them apart as the game stretches and gets long, goes on. Mm. 4-1. 4-1, that's a big call. Because I was going to go slightly different because of Wolves' defensive record. But then when, he saw, when you're listing the, the teams who've got, what, like 12, 13, only like 16 goals, the fact Liverpool have got 43 is absurd. <laughs> Yeah. That is actually ridiculous. Chelsea have scored seven in one game. We've got ten goals less than them. Like that's even more. That <laughs> their last goal since they beat Liverpool. Uh, no, let's go back. Sorry, sorry, since they beat Liverpool. Since they beat Watford five nil, they've scored five five two two four four four. Jesus Christ! In their recent games, they are unstoppable at the minute. They are on fire. I don't I think, think they look Watford... too solid defensively, I should say. No, I think they don't. better teams than Southampton and, and would have scored probably more goals against them than, than they yeah. did, but going forwards. Yeah, that, that is true. I mean they let they did let Everton through once, which, you know, to to concede to Everton is always damning <laughs> to anyone. Um but I think Liverpool will come through this with a win because they are in such good form. But I think Wolves are going to make it difficult for them because that's what they do. You know, conceding 
you know, only 12 goals is pretty good. Like, it's a very, very good defensive record for the season so far. Um, so I think they're going to make life tif- difficult for them. And I think with someone like, when you have Adam Traore running at the defence that has looked a little bit shakier in recent times, that could be successful for Watford, for Wolves, sorry. But as we know, Traore is brilliant until he hits the 18-yard box yeah. and he can't do anything. He smacked the bar yesterday. That was just a fantastic shot. But it's just like, the man cannot score a goal to save his life. Well, that's why he went from Barcelona to Middlesbrough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for a Liverpool win, but I think it's going to be like a really hard-fought 2-0. 2-0. Like, it's going to be probably, they won't score until the second half. Like, that kind of situation. Jake is joining you on a 2-0. Um, the last of the three o'clock Saturday kickoffs is a South Coast affair. Southampton mm. are hosting Brighton. Yeah. Brighton have they well they showed against West Ham a bit of more life to them for the first time in a good while actually they've had a really really poor run of fixtures where they've just not looked anywhere near the team that they were for the first month of the season and yet yesterday against West Ham who are you know as we know one of the Goldworth Ramble team of the year so far <laughs> you know Brighton had they, they looked really good they created lots of chances and they really you know put them to a real challenge against West Ham and the, you know. You haven't mentioned it yet that Mopé's goal was bloody excellent mm. um, at the weekend. Like, it was always good. Uh, oh, but... yeah, it's always excellent. It should be it's always good to see. So, <laughs> yeah, I think Brighton have, they've, you know, they've settled into what they are as a team. They're going to be mid-table. They'll finish the season mid-table. I don't think there's much to worry about there. Southampton, they need to start finding wins from somewhere, though. And I, I was in, curious to see how they'd start lining up because I saw, I think it was last weekend, they lined up with all three of their key strikers playing. So they started with Armstrong, Adams, and Broher. And I'm they, wondering if that might continue. They tried something really weird tactically against Liverpool, and it really mm. didn't work. They reverted no. back to what they normally did in mid- against the Leicester, and still conceded two. But uh, yeah, they, I think they went, do they normally play a four? And then they tried to play they a five against Leicester, against yep. um Liverpool. Liverpool and yeah, it didn't work at all. Yeah. I was watching Soccer Saturday. I can't remember who was the guy covering the game. It might have been Paul Merson, and he was just like ten minutes in. He's like, "This game is over because Southampton. I can't even get close to them. This <laughs> this system, whatever they've come up with, just isn't working." No, and I think I think Southampton need to understand that they're at the minute with the players they've got. They have to go for more of an attacking style of play, get the most out of Armstrong and Adams and Broher together. And whether, you know, they play two or three of them up front, that's where their best chance of survival is going to come from. So I would like to see more of those, you know, three together or at least two of them. Because Adams hit some nice goal-scoring form recently. I was going to say he's probably, if I compare him to sort of last year, one of the players that I think is most... um, improved actually the most improved player award because when he moved from Birmingham to South he was really prolific at Birmingham for that season before he moved yeah. uh, but he didn't look like he was ready for the step up whereas at the minute now he looks he looks really solid and in really good form really dangerous he's, yeah. he's got both a sort of technical a really nice balance of both technical and physical abilities um, like he's really strong runner but he's also really like he's got really deceptively quick feet as well yeah. with the ball at his feet I, I really like him he's good I've never hugely rated him although no yeah so I did, never did until he did play quite well the Euros for Scotland in the Scotland mm. didn't play great but he was one of the few players that was actually quite dangerous Um, so yeah I think Southampton have to lean on their attacking side of play and I, but I think Brighton are they're going to break their you know non-winning streak 
uh, against Southampton. I think Brian will nick this one, and I'm going to go for a one nil Brighton. A one nil. Uh, I'm going for a draw. I'm going for one all. I don't think. But can I? We need to address with Brighton that they got booed off the pitch uh, when they Did drew they? when they got drew when they drew at home to Leeds last weekend. Oh God. Um, and Potter had to come out and say like, "What do fans think we are? Like we're Brighton mm. and we're eighth in the Premier League." Like, yeah. and it's not like we're playing terribly. Like they should have beaten Leeds. They created the chances to beat Leeds, yeah. and like they had done in their previous game before that. And then they got booed off the pitch by Potter, and Potter was like, "What planet are you all living on?" Yeah. And he actually came out and said that in his press conference, which some people gave him some stick for, and was like, "Oh, you should keep those thoughts to yourselves." But I fully like what I, do I'm all right with that. yeah, what do the Brighton fans that were booing think yeah. Brighton are like? Did they really think that they had Champions League aspirations when they all? Uh, no idea, <laughs> no idea. <laughs> um, but Brighton continued to play good stuff. They continue to create chances they're in danger of doing exactly what they did last season having a (laughs) terrible chance conversion rate like creating like the most chances outside the top four but not being able to score them no uh, but Southampton are in equal despite they had that run of games of going unbeaten again since they lost to Norwich um Maybe it's unsettled them a little bit, uh, but mm. I can't really separate these two teams as as, as they currently stand. So I'm going to go for one all draw. Uh, Jake is going for a one all draw as well. Um, the Saturday uh, 5.30 kickoff is Watford are hosting Man City. Uh, we've spoken a little bit about Watford earlier in the show. Um they, they, as I said, they scare me defensively. Um, they're a bit wild, um, very unpredictable. Like, um, but against a team with enough the amount of quality that um, that uh, Man City have, again, I think this is going to be a similar situation to Wolves Liverpool that I've talked about earlier, where Man City just have way too much um, ability and f- for them, and they looked good against Liv- uh, Villa, particularly in the first half. Villa came back into it more in the second half, and Bernardo Silva's goal was excellent. Um, mm. This looks like it's going to be a penalty to Man United, by the way. How did um, he not miss that first time? Bro? I don't know. He was, he was Atkinson was stood literally right there. Unbelievably <laughs> penalty. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I I can't see I can't see this being another freak result for Watford, where they managed to beat one of the big teams. Um, so. Again, unbeknownst to me, I'm going to copy Jake and um, go for a 3-0 win to Man City. Yeah, I mean, Man City have started to look like themselves again recently. Um, they've scored some you know, brilliant goals. Like Bernardo Silva's goal on yesterday, by the way. Yeah, the, For me, the that's the pe- goal of the season so far. So yeah, the uh, team moved pace of the counter and then what a finish, first time finish. The cross finish and then the volley in the top <laughs> corner. Like, it's just unbelievable. Um, but yeah, I think Watford are, they will give it a go. They will do the same thing they did against Chelsea. Oh, yeah, they will, they will they go at Man City, but Man City have just got too much for them. Um, and it's, Watford have just got to ride this really tricky run of fixtures they've got. Um, just kind of get survive this, you know, without with your dignity intact kind of thing. Um, three, Ronaldo two scores three two. They did. Um, right, oh, he's gonna do it. Assume. <laughs> Amazing, but you know, they, they'll lose to Man City on Saturday. But then after this, they've got Brentford, Burnley, Palace, Wolves uh, in a run of fixtures over Christmas. 
like that is a good run for Watford mm. to try and get some points on their belt. So just escape the to this weekend with some dignity um, and move on to the next run of fixtures. I'm going to go for a... They don't score that many goals, Man City. I'm going to go for a 2-0 Man, Man City win. 2-0. Fair enough. Um, we are moving into Sunday's fixtures then. As I said, there's a lot of them this week. Uh, four, to be precise. First of them, uh, Leeds are hosting Brentford 2 o'clock on Sunday. Dull. Grim fixture, this one for me. <laughs> Really not fun to watch this one. I think Brentford's they're not there's not much about them right now. Leeds are, you know, they're very inconsistent in the last five. They've won, lost, drawn, lost. Like what? <laughs> they're just so <laughs> inconsistent. They've you know, Bielsa's fallen out with Kevin Phillips and Calvin Phillips, all that stuff. Like it's That's very... it. I haven't heard that story. What's yeah, that story? I know. It's, it's all over the papers at the minute. Which on the on the, his note, by the way, I think Phillips is a really top quality player. But he, he had a great Euros, and he's just kind of faded. And I think this is probably why, because there's been some kind of scenes falling out with... He's probably also probably burnt out as well. Yeah, he has A lot of the players that had elongated... But I had those, a lot of those players had elongated summers as well. Like, mm. it was a quick turnaround. It was, yeah. And I mean, you know, Leeds as a team just do not look like they're all together. They, yes, they don't look got... like a Bielsa team. No, they don't. All. They don't. I think Bielsa is one of those managers where I'm kind of... He's on the old hot seat watch for me. I think he's the hot, a little bit... upside down bucket, whatever it is he sits on. Yeah, on the side whatever it is. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, you know, they beat Crystal Palace, but that was in a 94th minute penalty. You know, that should have been 0-0 all day. I was fuming when that happened, by the way. Yeah. I the turned Brighton off... Name. I turned you off turned the... Off? Well, no, I, I turned off the, obviously, Newcastle-Norwich game and watched the yeah. last 20 minutes of that, and I was like, oh, come on. Palace, obviously, I was rooting yeah, for yeah. Leeds to lose, and when that happened, I was like, "Oh, for I was fuming." Yeah, I, I didn't even—I didn't watch the penalty. I just turned it off as I know how they sent. It's a good limited. penalty, <laughs> but yeah, Leeds' issue is they cannot score goals right now. They're looking devoid of ideas. Brentford are very similar. Brentford are just not enjoyable to watch, like they were a few weeks back. They just—I don't know. There's something about Brentford that doesn't feel right to me at the minute. And so I'm going to go for a very dreary. Is it a nil niller? Is it your nil niller? It's my nil niller. Nil nil of the week. Brentford against Leeds. I don't think I've ever predicted a nil nil. I think I'm really optimistic. Too optimistic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This. Uh, I'm going to go for the next best thing for a nil nil. Um, I'm going to go for a one nil. Um, oh, one nil. One nil to Leeds. Oh, okay. I think again that off the back of a win at home. Next game at home against, again, another team, which if you've got any ambition of surviving, you should be looking at and thinking, right, this has got to be three points. Yeah. I think pff, they've got to get something out of the bag on this one. Um, And finally kickstart their season, which we've been saying for the last 10 weeks. But <laughs> uh, Jake has gone the other way and thinks Brentford are going to win 2-1. Um, the second of the Sunday kickoffs, which I think is the game that's on Sky, is Man United are hosting Palace. Um, yeah. Uh, Man United look... I'm watching them tonight. They're, there's, some, there's something about them. There's a different energy about them. Uh, I'm watching Rashford is running around like a... like he's 
on steroids. I've never seen him run like this. Like he's normally, Rashford's normally quite like a languid player. I find. I know I yeah, don't watch Man United. Yeah, I don't watch him every week, but I never associate associate him with um, like a high press running around do doing everything kind of player. He's doing that mm. tonight, and there's just something. There's something about them tonight. Just watch it. There's something about obviously being at home and they're now winning a game and there's been lots of shots just now of the crowd are getting really into it. And Ronaldo's really getting into it. He's cheering the crowd on and getting them all riled up. And they've dropped one Basaka, which seems to have helped a lot. Delot's look, <laughs> looked pretty solid to me this evening whenever I've looked up and seen him uh, been asked to do something. Yeah. It will be the first game, I assume, that Ranić takes charge. Um, he's in obviously in the country, but um, they think they're still trying to sort out his work permit, his visa stuff. Um, so I would assume that could get sorted by Sunday. Um, even if it does, it, he's not going to have hardly any time to implement no. what he wants to do with his players. He might get one training session with them if if he's lucky. Um, but I think this, again, I still think that new manager bounce is kind of happening at United without him even being in position. Because a lot yeah. of the players will know now, especially given the nature of his contract at United, where he's got that sort of two-year consultancy thing mm. uh, tagged on to the end of the season. Um, and he gets decisions, he can make decisions on player personnel in that role. So the Man United players are all on notice now. Like, yeah. you want to stay at Man United? Play like it. Um, so a lot of those squad players, players that are stepping in for the first time and then playing a game against Crystal Palace, that's the game where you'd expect Man United for their quality to shine through. Palace, again, they're one of those teams that went on such a good run recently, but then in the immediate uh, past, they've obviously lost to uh, Leeds, lost at home to Villa in Gerrard's first game. And then in that high-scoring goal game against Burnley, which was just mental, um, <laughs> which had like nil-nil written all over it, but was yeah. 3-3. Was that um, with the Cornet volley? Was that the one? Uh, yes, I think so. I think so. He did. Every single one of his goals has been really good. He's got such really a good. Really like first-time shot into the, literally the top, top corner, like yeah. postage stamp stuff. Uh, but yeah, Crystal Palace are on a bit of a wobble. I think um, so. This to me just screams very run of the mill, very casual Man United 2 0 home win. Oh, interesting. I think differently to you about them tonight. I think I'm seeing a better Man U than I've seen for weeks, to be fair. Like they're playing better tonight than they did against Chelsea because against Chelsea they just parked the bus for mm. 90 minutes and got very lucky with a breakaway goal. Um, and then tonight it's a bit more chaos factor which is yeah. fun it's very enjoyable to watch but i think man you until ranyak gets his proper kind of because harry Maguire is playing the well, chaos I mean, is back <laughs> yeah it very well could be but i mean united because they've got such good talent going forward i think they are always going to be a threat and i also think you probably talked about this on the pod as well about how sancho's gonna have a nice bump with the ranyak coming in because I think he's going to be a big admirer of his days in Dortmund. Yeah. Um. So he's going to get a nice kind of bit of run of form. In it well, as soon as Solskjaer has walked out the door, he started. Sancho start, scored twice. Start, and started left. every game. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Van der Beek still can't get a start, though, bless him. No. I mean, it's something he's doing wrong in the, in the team, clearly. But, yeah, Palace hit, have hit oh. a wobble. Good save there. Um. But I like Palace. I really want them to do well. And I think Palace are going to give United a game. I don't think it's going to be a 
two nil run of the mill win at all because of the chaos factor. So I think I might go for a very exciting one and go oh. for like maybe like a three two two man U. Yeah, three two man U for me. Same. Uh, Jake's joining me in a I I don't know the nature of it, but a two nil win. Mm. Um, yeah. No, well, I think Manu's defense is too shaky to have a, a clean sheet at the moment. Right now. Well, if they continue to drop one Bissaka, that'll be fine. Um, <laughs> Reese, I gave you this game specifically I'd, behind the curtain for the listeners. Uh, I randomly attribute the games um, to each of me and Jake and, and Reese every week to decide which game we're going to be tasked with uh, previewing. I deliberately, Reese, I fixed it so that you would get this next game with Spurs versus Norwich so you could act as the buffer between any uh, animosity <laughs> on the show. But Jake's <laughs> bottled it because um, he, he, he knows what he knows what's coming. Didn't want to face um, the wrath of no. Nicholas Norwich. Of so. unbeaten Norwich in th- three games unbeaten exactly. Norwich. He's running scared. Yeah. I mean, well, I've, I didn't see Tottenham tonight, so I can't really judge what they were like against Brentford. But they won. It looks like they Well, I think they won 2-0. I watched the first half. They were, they were, they were, a, bit, they were a bit shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Conte hasn't yet managed to transfer his style of play. And I this really is much enjoyed historically it. weird for Conte. I think I get without actually looking at the numbers. I think he's normally quite a quick start at, at clubs. He gets his feet under the table quickly. And Chelsea and, was quite quick and, yeah. and transforms them quite quickly. So again, it well, might it might just literally that he doesn't have the personnel and the quality at Spurs. Hmm. But well, I think it's uh, if, we, if we, I compare to the Chelsea days, they started well, but they hit a run of form where they played quite poorly, and then they got smashed by Arsenal, and that's what. You know, brought about the three at the back thing that has revolutionised Chelsea for the last five, six years. Like every time we've played well, it's been three at the back because of Conte, basically. Um, and I think he hasn't yet found the system that works at Spurs. And you know, Kane and Kane is still playing very poorly. Yes, Son scored tonight, but he's still not looked like the Son of old yet. Um, so they're a little bit not the finished article as I thought they would be after what a month or so of Conte. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Whereas Norwich look under D Smith, like we said earlier, they're looking far more solid defensively. They just need to make sure that, you know, they do commit to their style of play that works for them. And I think, like you've said in the past about how in the championship they were very much an attacking side. You know, they really wanted to, wanted the ball and, you know, go at teams. They've got to do that again because they need to find more goals. They've only got eight so far this year. Mm. They need to get more goals from somewhere. They've, it's nice that Pookie's finally hitting the back of the net, which is good. I, um, I maintain that if you give Pookie service, if Pookie was playing in like a team not not that wasn't Norwich in the Premier League that played yeah. to his strengths, I think he would be a 50 in a season Premier League goal scorer. He's such yeah. a natural finisher. He's really, really good. I still think I, st- I would be stunned if he didn't get double figures this season for Norwich. I mean, he's start. He's hit the ground running under Dean Smith, which I think is yeah. very good news for you. And I think every so often he has looked a, a bit kind of awkward for me when I've seen him, but I don't watch mm. him week in, week out. But then I do remember when he was in the league two years ago when he had that amazing start to the season. One player of the month, incredible. yeah. yeah <laughs> he, scored he, like, he scored like six goals in five games or something. He did. Yeah. He looked amazing. <laughs> he looked like the natural finisher you're on about. So there's mm. clearly you know talent there. And I'm curious to see how Norwich develop under Dean Smith. And I think... When Dean Smith has you know more time with players like Cantwell and Zollis and Rashica and all that stuff, I think they're going to actually have quite a good attacking side to it. Um, I'd be curious to see if their defence can sort itself out. They've looked better defensively, but it's whether they can stop kind of teams regularly. 
But mm. Tottenham aren't a very attacking side right now. They're very solid. They're solid and they try to close kind of games out and make them tense and tight. But they're not very free flowing and they're just, they're not fun to watch, let's be honest. No, they're um, not. <laughs> so I think, I think Norwich have got a chance here. And I think oh. I might go with a draw, though. Oh, unbelievable scenes. Yeah, but I, th- <clears throat> I think, I don't think Tottenham are just there yet. And I think Norwich have got a bit of, a bit of something about them at the minute. They're, well, yeah, they play poor against Newcastle. However, they, they, won, they won two of the last three. Like, that's got to say something. One of the last three, one of the last three, is it? I can't remember. What's that, sorry? How many have Norwich won recently? Is it two? They've won. Uh, they've won two of the last four. Two of the last four, which is you know that's that's form. That's something. To unbeaten. Kind of put on I to. gave them a disservice here. I said unbeaten in three. They're unbeaten in four. Beat Brentford. Exactly. Beat Southampton. Drew to Wolves. Drew to Newcastle. So. Exactly. So I mean, that's something to cling on to, and I think Dean Smith is going to be able to sort this team out. So I'm going to go for a draw, and I'm going to go for a one-all Tottenham Norwich. Interesting. Uh yeah, we said that the the period of Norwich fixtures that's just gone was going to be the season defining one for Norwich. Really, if they came out of it with like very few points, it was over. Uh, but they managed to get eight from an available fifteen uh, against Leeds, Brentford, Southampton, Wolves, and Newcastle. Which I think I said I'd be happy with about eight or nine. Um, if we were to have any real chance this season, they've done that. And as I said earlier when I was talking about Norwich and the Newcastle game Dean Smith's looks, uh, team looks much better without the ball, much better defensive positioning, much better press uh, we were just invite, under Fark we were just inviting teams onto us and we're not letting that happen anymore, uh, we're going and pushing straight Smith has said that he really he obviously, he hasn't said this directly but it's obvious that this is what he thinks because of the way he talks and has to- talked about it he is really uh, keen on what he's described as pressing the sixes so pressing the defensive like lying sort of uh, quarterback midfield. position really yeah. of, the, of the of the opposition midfield that's something in every game we've said so far is either says we didn't press the sixes well enough or we really got into the faces <laughs> of the opposition sixes so that's something he really <laughs> liked and it, and it really it really uh, it shows on when Norwich have played at their best they've really got in the faces of the opposition um second half against Southampton and the Wolves game was like that. So if they can That's continue right, something so. like that against the team that um, um, is struggling with the ball, um, mm. looks a bit lack- lacking in creativity, despite, you said, Sun getting back into the into the mix this, this, season, uh, this season by scoring tonight. Um, yeah, that, I, I'm, I'm optimistic that Norwich could get something. Um, I'm not going to be wild and say they're going to win. They may well do, but I can't bring myself to say that. I also think there's a good chance that this is a really good game for Spurs to sort mm. of sort themselves out, um, like they did tonight against Brentford. A consecutive home games against very much sort of bottom six quality teams um, build on that Brentford win. So I'm going to, um, with with a slight tear in the corner of my eye, I'm going to go for a Spurs win, but I'm going to go for a 2-1. Not an easy victory for Spurs, but uh, a victory nonetheless. Um, Jake has gone for a Spurs win as well. He's gone for a 2-0. Just to briefly address the Dean Smith pressing sixes thing. Yeah. That's really interesting. Because I I feel like, I'm not sure why, maybe it's just my blue tinted glasses here, but I'm sure kind of, when Tuchel arrived and he was talking about Bring, having a formation with the double six, which was mm. kind of Kante Jorginho. 
I thought that was quite a novel idea for the Premier League to have the, the, the term as the six, you know, the double yeah. six midfielder, which, you know, to, to hear Dean Smith, who is the most like working class manager, <laughs> like talk about pressing the opposition sixes. Like, yeah. I find that fascinating. No, it's, it's something that is very clearly part of his footballing philosophy. He's sp- in every single post-match press conference he's spoken about mm. pressing the sixes so far which i found quite interesting um yeah. the penultimate game of the weekend the uh late sunday kickoff 4 30 is villa against leicester yes good game this good local like i guess localish derby this kind of, i guess it's my derby because i live between the two of them so i guess I'll count that as the reese derby of the weekend the reese derby uh, <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah, Villa have started life under Gerrard very well. And I think they made a good account of themselves against Man City uh, yesterday. Yeah, Man City did the Man City thing. They played very well, dominated the ball. But Villa didn't get blown out of the water. No, Man City kind of let them them back into it, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Second Second half, they were much better, yeah. Yeah, and I think, yeah, like we said earlier, I talked about Gerrard and how I think he has already instilled a bit of an identity about Villa that they're going to be in everyone's faces and they're going to be going for you know the win they're going to be going for the the goals that they want to get which is what they have to do to stay in the league and obviously it, he's very quickly i think right in the ship at villa um and i think it's going to be a good game is because leicester as we know have had a very up and down season yeah they picked like, that yeah oh their record is five wins four draws five losses like that's just <laughs> horrible to look at and it's you know they've in the last five they've lost two one one drawn two like they're very much Brendan Rodgers in his third year at a club, yeah, and it's not particularly enjoyable. It's not the Leicester that we're used to seeing, especially yeah. last year when Leicester finished so well in the league. They should have got Champions League if we're being honest, and they just kind of balled it in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, um, just like they did the season before as well. Yeah, I wonder if just... that was one too one too many bottle jobs has had a bit of a psychological mm. impact on them. I think so, and I think watching the highlights earlier. I was very impressed, actually, with James Madison for the first time in a long time. We, I me and Jake had... were saying this last night. He's finally mm. sc- he scored what three goals in the last week? Yeah, in, in Europe think... as well. Yeah, like... and he assisted one yesterday. Scored one. Like he had a very good game. His goal was really nice as well. By the way, lovely touch and finish in the. When, Ma- when as a Norwich fan, having watched Madison for a year, absolutely rip it up in the championship. Mm. A beautifully executed Madison goal is up there in the football world is pretty pretty good it's just something about his body position and the way he manages to like it's it's, i don't want to say it's it's a little bit i'm not saying he's as good as this person but he's a little bit beckham-esque really i that's i it's just he's a little bit beckham-esque when he when he when he hits hits a ball and hits it well there's something about it he's got a really good technique when he strikes the ball and i really Mm. like he's got really good close control and he's kind of in that same region as the players, you know, in the England setup. Players like Mountain, Emil Smith Rowe, and uh, Foden as well. Madison is kind of on the periphery of those three, but he's very much got the talent to be up there. It's just a shame he's yeah. a bit of a cock. Um, By all accounts, also as a <laughs> Norwich fan and him being in the around in the club for however many years, that is mm. also a story and storylines that circulate around the place. That yes, he is a yeah. bit of a knob a given yeah well i mean let's have to see how that plays out but i think it's gonna be a really really closely fought game i think villa will want to bounce back leicester want to get another win of their belt because they've just been so inconsistent um and sorry to interrupt you again 
Bonnie, uh, Donny van der Beek's coming on with one minute to go. His classic, <laughs> his Man United career encapsulated. Solskjaer's legacy lives on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Leicester are they're scoring goals, which is good for them. Like in the last two games, they scored six goals, which is good. Um, and Villa have they managed what like five goals in, in the last three games. It's going to be a high scoring game, I think. But I think Le- uh, Villa are going to pull this one out. I think Villa will get back into the winning column. I'm going to go for. A very fun 2-1 Villa win. It's a full house. Yeah. All three of us have gone for a 2-1 Aston Villa win. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, a, a lot of professional spot, seemingly, from how people... Obviously, we don't know how it works, but people inside it and people who talk about it, the, a huge part of it is the mental side of the game. Yeah. And... I'm I'm stunned having seen Dean Smith at Norwich for for the best part of a month now that the Villa team his Villa team at the end of his tenure weren't like weren't trying like weren't playing mm. as if with self belief and effort because they are as I've seen so far the absolute cornerstones of a team of a Dean Smith team sometimes like I think what happened with Farker at Norwich and Smith at Villa there just becomes a point where you need fresh ideas fresh people fresh eyes fresh voices mm. um and I think that happened with Villa and I think Gerard is the perfect person to bring in and as you said you can see that there's a, a been a, a sort of a, a breath Culture of fresh shift. air yeah and mm. they've all seemed to have immediately bought into it and I said before on a previous show I can't remember whether you were on it or not it might have been last week but Unless you're an Everton or a Man United fan, I don't care who you are. If you walk into training and Gerrard's there on the pit, yeah. on the training pitch with you, that 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 will get you, you going. Notes, that'll get you? get you yeah, going yeah. as a player. So, um, I think I've just remembered by the way before we move on to the next game. Mm. I think this this game is the narrative game of the week because if we with Brendan Rodgers against Steven Gerrard, and if we're being if we're going to be picky about it. You could argue that Rodgers might want a bit of revenge, actually, because for you could the slip. argue that Gerard caused him to not win the Premier League. I mean, with the slip, exactly. So that could, that's the narrative story of the week: Rodgers against Gerard. I think well, Gerard will, will overcome that for me. Well, it starts actually quite a narrative-filled sort of period of time for Gerard. Mm. Um, he's got Leicester. Uh, Brendan Rodgers, obviously the connect, uh, the connection there this weekend. Yeah. And then he's got Liverpool away next weekend, and then That's he's got horrible, and then he's got Norwich away, which is obviously against Dean Smith, uh, former mm. their former manager. So yeah. it's three games in a row here for Gerard that uh, starts a bit of a um, well, yeah, Gerard narratives are going to be flying all over the place. Oh God, <laughs> the build up to next week is going to be absolutely disgusting. I'm going to hate it. I'm not going to be. Can I request now? I know it's randomly assigned. I do not want to talk about Liverpool against Aston Villa. I just don't want to do it. Gerard, I've said this. Gerard is by far and away my favourite Norwich non Norwich City player that mm. ever. I loved watching Stuart Gerard as a as a kid growing up, but. Good lord, that is going to be insufferable next week. It that is. is going to be disgusting. And then, do you think, if we think kind of mentally about Gerard, do you think he would have it in him to beat Liverpool? I don't think he would. I think he's so Liverpool till I die. <laughs> what if? What if they man? He manages to beat Liverpool and Liverpool lose the title by like two points that, or something, stop. and oh, and they're like Gerard will have lost the title again. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, that would be perfect, actually. <laughs> Can you imagine? Um, yeah, I know what you mean. Like more so than literally anybody else. Yeah. Like that is Gerard's club, and I think it's. I don't want to be 
um, too much of a conspiracy theorist with my tinfoil hat on, but he's got a two and a half year contract which expires in 2024 and Klopp's contract expires in 2024. Like, I don't want to put two to two together and get five, but yeah, we'll have to see. I've thought about that for a long time. That has to be deliberate choice for him to get two and a half year contract. That's I such a specific so. amount of time. I think yeah. so. Um, but he has to get past uh, Brendan Rodgers and Leicester first, um, and we all think that he will with a 2-1 win. Uh, the final game, which also has a few narratives bubbling around it, uh, possibly, mm-hmm. is Everton are hosting Villa on the Monday night football. Everton seems to be on Monday night every week. They've been on it at least three times so far Everton this Arsenal, season. Did I say? Oh, God. Again, it's Villa. getting late. Um... <laughs> Yeah, Everton-Arsenal on Monday night. Um, obviously, Arteta played for Everton and Arsenal. Um, he's been there before as a manager, I think. I think he went there last season. In the second half mm. of last season, he went to Everton, but there were no fans in the stadium, obviously. So this will be the first time he's going back to Everton, where he is renowned, I think, as a as a pretty a bit of a legend there. He spent a long yeah, time, a long time at Everton. Um, he was a really good player for Everton as well. He was really, 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 really good, really good. Um, do you remember all that time? You probably don't because you're Welsh and don't pay any attention to English, England and English English news, football news. But there was that time when I think he was playing at Everton where everybody was thinking there was a loophole where he could play for England. Because, oh, I do remember that, actually. Because yeah, he yeah. got like, I'd lived here for so long or he'd got an English grandpa. And he'd never been Cap Spain or, or, something. or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and that never materialised. But yeah, he was a brilliant midfielder. Um, Just but, injury prone, but quality. Yeah. yeah, and obviously he got his move to Arsenal from Everton. And he's going to, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, an Everton team that are in absolute shambles at the minute. Yeah. Um, I just think at home, if, if Everton go behind to this Arsenal team, it's going to get ugly quickly. And I think that will... Yeah. I think the players will feel that. I think there's so much pressure. It's such a it's such a boiling pot at the minute, Everton, that I think the players will be playing on edge. They'll be scared of making mistakes and that can more often than not lead to you actually making mistakes because you're playing within yourself and trying not to take any risks. And I think it's all going to backfire horribly. I've spoken about Everton a lot at the earlier in the earlier in the show, so I'm not going to dwell on this too much. And I'm going to say that... Uh, Everton are going to lose 2-1 at home to Arsenal. Yeah, what are you I going can, for? I can see similar just because I have properly lamped it on Everton recently because I just You're not a fan Everton. of Benitez, are you? Oh, oh, you don't like Everton, I don't like really, Benitez. They're, I like they're, Everton. They're a bit of a cursed Chelsea curse, aren't they? Yeah, and this, you know, one of, you know, former guest on the show Max, he's also he's a Liverpool fan. He's a big Everton hater just because <laughs> they're such a yeah, but they're such a nothing Premier League team. They're always finishing 10th. They're always just there. And I hate them. I think they're pointless in the Premier League. So I think Arsenal, are, they're going to want to win this one because they've had a bit of a tricky run. They've they've just lost tonight, confirmed 3-2. Mm-hmm. So well done to Man U for breaking a very rough streak of fixtures. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Arsenal will want to kind of win that game because they've you know, they won last uh, on the weekend, but they lost tonight. Like they need to kind of get back into to show that they are deserving to be in the top five, which is where they are. And I think Everton is a nice game for Arsenal to go into, just because Everton are so bad, and uh, Arsenal are looking, you know, like a team. They're fine. They're they're a good side. They have got good players. They can score goals again, and they've got a you know this. Yes, they conceded three tonight, but they are a solid defensive team as well. I think they can 
sort they've sorted it out very nicely. So I think good praise to Arteta there. Um, but no, Everton just don't have enough about them. They haven't got the players to compete. They haven't got the formation. They haven't got the talent. They haven't got the managerial nous to compete at this level at this point. So I'm going to go for a very comfortable 3-0. Game really ugly. That'll get, <laughs> if that happens, that'll get really ugly. It would. That it might would. even be like fans on the pitch territory. Uh, based on how the fans reacted to that Brentford game in the stand and they oh there were fans leaving at like twenty minutes in against Liverpool so yeah if that happens that's gonna be that's gonna get really ugly uh, Jake's gone for a two nil um, yeah. good we have quickly it's again it's been a long show today but I've enjoyed it. it's gone by very quickly yeah, we're really enjoying cool. the United game and having a good chat between us we yeah. of course do have time to quickly go over to Reese's Fantasy Football Corner which we missed last week me and Jake gave a little bit of a, an update on what was going on and. Um, what was happening at the top of the league but do inform us of what's happened since yeah so obviously it's been a big week of fantasy with the two games to worry about and then a third game I forgot weekend. about it in midweek I'll be honest mm. well I was yeah I was very fortunate in that I forgot about last weekend because I was feeling so kind of rough but I, I've had I've got two free transfers to work with which I'm quite excited about so I'm going to look into that very carefully in the coming weeks um, obviously Salah is the man right now you have to have Salah on your team but there were some good kind of all round. There were some good all round players last week. If you had players like Salah, Mount, Bernardo, Ronaldo, Henderson, Madison, they like, they were the kind of players that you you would normally expect to see in your fantasy team, and they all performed really really well. Mount with twelve was very helpful. My midfield um, was sensational this week. You I had, had a good Mount, week Salah, week. Bernardo, and Smith Rowe who scored tonight. Yeah. That's a really you, good midfield. You had a very good week this week. Um, in terms of our league, I mean. Sean Alexander's reign has been crumbled. It's over, crumbled isn't it? around us. It it's is completely over. over. He is 60 points behind Sam Platt, who is still reigning supreme. He's not quite hit 1,000 yet, but he's on 941 points. He's getting up there. And the top four, the other two, Sam Higgins and Kieran McAuliffe, are still firmly in the Champions League places. Um, but I, would just, I, I wasn't on last week, which I was annoyed about because it was the first week, I think, all season I was ahead of you both in the print in the <laughs> league standings, and I still am. I'm currently 19th after tonight with 7-3-3. You are 20th, so just behind me with 7-2-3, whereas Jacob has languished down. I took, a, He's on I took six, an 8-point hit this week as well. I did was like, I did, and it's like, I've just got to mix this up because yeah, yeah. Uh, I did. I, I transferred in Smithrow... Which paid mm-hmm. off. I transferred yeah, in. Uh, ben, uh, who else did I transfer? James, which um, because Chilwell was out, and I was like, "Oh, I'll get James in." And yeah. he didn't. He took a knock. He <laughs> played this weekend against um, West Ham. Yeah, I had to have a mix-up up front. I brought Saint Maxman in, which hasn't really. I don't know why I've got a Newcastle player in there, but yeah, I made a few yeah. changes anyway. Paid off. Yeah, this but weekend. again, the striker issue is still massive. Strikers indeed. this year are weird, man. They're so bizarre. Like, you know, the players that we're so used to having score points like Antonio, Ronaldo, Lukaku, I guess, they've just not materialised at all as good fantasy options. Your best placed absolutely putting all your money in your midfield and getting your kind of high profile fullbacks in, like your your Trents, your Reese Jameses, your Cancelos, and see if you can just work out the strikers that might stick a goal in here every so often. I feel like every team in the league has has got Huang in it at this point. I think yeah. he's just become a player that everyone wants, but he's not scoring that many. Like, no. Strikers this year are just, they're not very good fantasy um, 
fodder, I suppose. No, they're not. I should have got weird. Pookie. Should get Pookie, and shouldn't I really? I mean, I should do. It could, Pookie could be a shout, you know, for a, a cheap option. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, the big story is I am still. I'm finally taking my place as the king of fantasy on this podcast, which I will gladly, you know, <laughs> accept. <laughs> but no, it's good to be back in the fantasy football corner. Uh, but once again, congratulations to Sam Platt for being our top scorer. Let me just check in. Max Saito looks like, yeah, again, friend of the show on the podcast recently, he mm. looks like to be our team of the week with 71 points this week. So well done to He'll Max. He'll love that. He will. Do you want to, have you got a, the table in front of you? You just want to round out the top four. Is it all the familiar yeah, names? Of I can. Yeah, the top four is first place is Sam Platt, Splat FC. Second place, Sean Alexander, Nightmare on FBL Street. Third place, Sam Higgins, David Santan, David McGoldrick, and fourth place, the Kai is the limit, Kieran Makwana. Well done. All the all the familiar names, the usual suspects. Good. Well, that is the end of the show. It's been great to have you back, Reese, after your absence last week. Um, Hopefully, next week we will all be back for the first. I said the first time in in what feels like an eternity. Um, to review uh obviously this weekend's fixtures and uh what's coming up the weekend after and maybe some managerial news after Everton get battered three nil at home to Arsenal yeah you never know. <laughs> uh but until then uh keep safe uh enjoy the football uh thank you for listening thank you Reese for joining me that Anytime. has been the Goldmouth Ramble I've been Nick your host and we will see you next week for more Goldmouth Ramble action until then stay safe we'll see you next time bye bye